welcome to this week's edition of Sunday Morning Live from Fresh Fire Church. Today's message from Pastor Adam will encourage and strengthen your walk with Christ. If you would like to be a partner with Fresh Fire Church for $15 a month or more, become our patron on Podbean or visit freshfirechurch.net. And now, let's join the service. Well. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We heard some testimony last week of what God's doing. Hallelujah. We're going to continue to see God doing and answering prayer, and I'm thankful that he does. Amen. Aren't you glad we, we serve a God that answers prayer? That hears your cries and your prayers and answers you. And he says, call unto me and I will answer you. And show you great and unsearchable things. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for answering us. Amen. How many know what it's like when somebody ignores you? You can talk and they just act like you didn't say nothing. Aren't you glad that God's not like that? Amen. I know some of our kids do that. Sometimes I'll text them and they just act like they didn't even see it. Amen. I'm sorry, Dad, I didn't see it. But but God's not like that. He says, if you'll call unto me, I'll answer you. Amen. He, 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 he'll, he'll pick up when you, when you call, and I'm thankful for that, and, and that he answers. Amen. That he doesn't act as though we didn't say anything at all. I, I, I'm so thankful for that. And so we heard testimony of how God's doing that, and we're going to continue to see how God's going to answer prayer and uh, move in your midst. Hallelujah. There's so many people to cover in prayer today, and uh, Praying that uh, Geneva and Harley get a furnace going. Hey, Amen. It's too cold to not have one working. Amen. And and others that, that like my mom, she can't even get down off her hill. They haven't even plowed her out this week. I mean, can you believe it? And so uh, we're just covering and praying for folks who are not with us, and then still some sick and need our prayers to recover and be healthy. Amen. Be healthy. I'm thankful they're not here making you and I sick, but uh, we pray they get well and get well soon. Hallelujah. Despite the weather this week, Norma's closet was busy. I was so surprised, actually, uh, how many people came out in the middle of the storm on Tuesday and, um, and braved it, and, but they did. But then I got to thinking, I don't know about you, but if you and I, those of you and I that watched the game, the dreaded game, on, was it Monday night of the Steelers? I think it was Monday night. I, it seems so long ago. Okay. Uh, they were sitting in like feet of snow in that stadium. And I thought, well, if people will do that, they'll, they'll come to a clothing bank. And uh, if we only come to church like that too, amen, hallelujah. Um, but uh, uh, just to get aggressive for God, wouldn't it be nice? And so, uh, but I'm, I'm grateful for so many people that came out and got blessed this week up there and enormous closet and got what they needed. And because school was closed, kids got to come and get what they needed and some coats and warm clothes. And so we're thankful for that. Amen. The donations just keep coming. Today we got a truckload of, I think they said, 18 big bags coming in. And so uh, we just keep getting overloaded. I'm thankful because as quick as it comes out, Gloria, you can attest, it goes out. And so I'm thankful for it. So uh, we get to serve our community and those that are in need and sometimes people in our own church. And so thankful for that. Amen. I'm thankful for those of you that serve in any capacity. I, Thankful we got uh, James up there learning the ropes of how fun it is up there trying to keep up with what we're doing down here and how we change things and so others that are learning to do new things. And so we're grateful and thankful because it takes all of us 
to do what we do, I'll tell you. I uh, ran into a man in, in the, out this week when I was shopping, and he knew me. I didn't know him, and he just said, hey, you're that preacher. <laughs> it's awesome, all the things that you do. See, that's why you got to be careful with your behaving, because you never know who's watching. Amen. <laughs> and uh, he said, I'm so thankful for all the great things that you all do. And uh, so he knew us and what we do, but... Uh, so I'm just grateful that all of you make it happen and serve in some capacity. And for all the people who aren't here today, we're grateful and thankful for you as well. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Are you all ready? Yes. Yes, we're ready. Hallelujah. We're going to go into the Word of God if you have your Bibles. Uh, let's, um, let's turn to Second Kings chapter 3. Second Kings chapter three. Mm. I got a title today. If you, those of you that are Facebook friendly and have already seen it, or you get our emails, uh, I've called it Ditch Digger. <laughs> I always some. Usually, I have some clever title, but you'll understand as we go through this today. Ditch Digger. How many of you know? Sometimes we have to hire one for a, a thing or two, amen. When we put our bathroom in back here, we had to get some ditch diggers to tap into the sewage line, amen. Uh, but you're going to find out how God is calling you and I to, to dig a ditch. Mm. And we're going to see what that is in Second Kings chapter 3. And we're going to read just uh, beginning in verse 13 through 20. So for those of you that take notes, that's where we're going to be. Hallelujah. Second Kings 3.13. Whether you've got a Bible that has pages or one that lights up, follow with me if you can. And if you don't have it with you, watch on the screen today. Beginning in verse 13. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, What have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. But the king of Israel said to him, No. For the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. But now bring me a musician. Hmm. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. Listen to what I just said. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. <laughs> For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water, so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. Also you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city, and shall cut down every good tree, and stop every spring of water, and ruin every good piece of land with stones. Mm, my, my. Now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered that suddenly water came by way of Edom. 
and the land was filled with water. It happened. Uh-huh. It happened. We're going to stop right there. Keep in mind uh, that in verse 15 that we read as we go into this word today, that it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. Keep that in the back of your mind as we set this up today. I, I, I prepped the people when we were in the back praying before church that w sometimes we just don't know how important it is the people that lead us into worship and what our job really is. It, it, it's not a it's not a, 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 a gig. It's not. That's why you can't have people on platforms and churches that think it's a gig. You just can't do that. It's more important to that because when, when musicians begin to play, it's opening the door and saying God's about to do something. And, and we're going to show you in the word of God today uh, what that is. But it, it, while it won't be the focus, it's something we'll touch on today. I, I want to begin today by, by explaining to you that we serve a God, our mighty God. God is a, is a God that transcends capacity. We, our God. Capacity has limitations. And yet God is limitless. Capacity has limitations. But yet God is limitless. When you are measuring capacity, you, you can measure capacity. You can measure how much water is in that glass. You can, you, you can measure the capacity of this building. You can measure the capacity of your gas tank in your car. But yet God cannot be measured. God forms before filling, and then he fills all capacity. Think back, clear back into the book of Genesis that God formed Adam. The Bible says he stooped down and, in essence, created a clay pot, and then he filled it with air and called his name Adam. The vessel that he made, Adam, was a vessel of capacity. Now watch this. It was a vessel of capacity. What is your capacity? Mm. Now, I want you to, to just bear with me. I've got to lay this foundation to, to show you where we're going to go today. The, what is your capacity? The very word atmosphere itself in the Greek. We were praying in the back, God help us to create an atmosphere for your glory. Lord, Lord come and sit up in the atmosphere. That we create and worship. But the, the very word atmosphere itself in the Greek in the Greek can mean vapor ball. Now watch what I'm what I'm gonna where we're gonna go today. God created an atmosphere before he ever created humans. All right. Then everything he created entered into that atmosphere. Whatever he forms, he fills. All right, now watch. Atmosphere is an important thing if you want God to move. God is attracted to filling an atmosphere that he created. God has a propensity to, to fill a space, we'll say it that way. This, this glass up here, as I drink it, we all probably remember in science class, you know, we've done the things back, way back in the day. Uh, I can't believe how long I've been out of school. Hallelujah. But I still remember in science classes, the glass half full or the glass half empty. And all the different experiments that they would do. Uh, with water and all, all kinds of other chemicals in, in, in class. And, 
and we could, you can say that the glass up here on, on, on the pulpit, that we can say it's half full, and some of you would say it's half empty. But I want to challenge you and tell you it's neither half full nor half empty. It's neither half full nor half empty. If you have it half full of water, it's still full. Don't look at me like I'm totally crazy. It could be half full of water, but it's still full. Because just because it, 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 it's half full of water does not mean it's not full. It may be half full of water, but the other half is full of air. All right? So there's no such thing as half full. There's no empty space or capacity that some substance or matter does not dwell in. I know it's taking us back a bit. Just hold on. I'm going to get to the word. But I wanted to lay this foundation to show you where we're going. There's no empty space or capacity that some substance doesn't dwell in. Molecules are connected to atoms, but, but what about even in science class, the space that's between atoms? Atoms have spaces between them, and some scientists call them empty spaces. And then people don't always understand how things stay together, how the chair that you sit on stays together, how our clothes stay together, right? Because they're not fully connected. There's empty spaces in between them. But theology sort of answers the question in Colossians chapter 1, verse 17. And there's others, but I'm going to use just this one because it's not our focus today. Colossians 1, 17 says, And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. By him all things consist. Because of him. Because of the God we serve, he is before all things, and by him all things consist. In other words, he's causing all matter to stay together by filling the spaces that are in between. He's filling the spaces in between things, or otherwise the chair you'd sit on could fall apart. The clothes would fall apart. Everything that we call material is really held together by, by, by the creative, omnipresent God because he is everywhere. He fills the gaps. So if you're searching for God, if you're looking for God, it really the, the search is over because he's in between every joint and every fiber of your being. He, he's a God that fits in even in the in-between spaces. He's a God that can fit between el, every molecular structure. He, he's a God that is in between every atom. He's God that causes all things to stick together because we can look to God and know that he's a God that fills up spaces. So anywhere you want God, there has to be space for him. Anywhere you want God to show up, there has to be space for him. He, he has a way of filling spaces. He, he has a way of filling up all space that is open to him. And we see him filling spaces even when he created Adam. When he, when he created Adam, he created a capacity. He, he created a void. He, he, he created him. And, and then the Bible says that God breathed and immediately he filled the space within Adam. Amen. And so man became a living soul because God filled the space. He created the earth and then he filled the earth with vegetation. He created the, the sea and then he filled it with fish, right? He created this atmosphere and then he filled it with birds. 
God always fills whatever he forms because he's a gap filler. Just just hold on. We're, we're, we're about to get where we need to go, all right? He's a gap filler. He fills up all the gaps, and he fills up all the spaces. So this is what I started thinking about as I was looking at this text and prepping this for this morning. Oftentimes, do you know how many times the enemy, uh, and, and through his, the way that he causes you and I to think, he'll often want you and I to, to, to begin to look think that our life looks like it's not coming together it'll look like things aren't always working out and really it's just a an illusion because it has to come together because the god we serve is a gap filler are you we, we heard testimony last week sister from you about how god is a gap filler Amen. When things aren't working right, when when your body isn't working right, and yet you can be in a service and 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 this space can be filled with with his presence and he'll touch and heal. Or, or you can create a, 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 a space and, and, and there may be space in your finances and yet he's a gap filler and he'll come and fill the space. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That that really is just an illusion that what God wants you and I to recognize is that he's a God that fills the gaps that we see in our life. He's the distance between every extremity and every opportunity. He's a gap filler. Hallelujah. If I stretch my hand as far as I can, right, and reach for what I'm after, God is a gap filler. He'll fill the space between what I'm after and what I can't reach. Hallelujah. I want you to hear the way I'm trying to lay this out so you can see how God is always working for you. He's the gap filler between your limitation and your vision. Everything that we're reaching for, everything that we're working for, God fills the gaps. He's the gap filler. God answered prayer even this week, a desire of my heart. Watch this. God used somebody to fulfill. He filled the gap between a vision beyond what I was able to reach. We'll testify of it when it's all said and done and it's sitting here, all right? So I'll tell you what it is, but it, 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 to be continued. But I've had this vision for something and, and desire for it, and then God used somebody because he's the gap filler to, 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 to cause it to happen. So it's, I, I couldn't reach far enough to, get to, to obtain it, and so God will, will be the gap filler, and he'll fill in the gaps. But he, that's why I said he's the distance between my extremity and your opportunity. He's a gap filler. Hallelujah. So even even when I'm in debt, he's a gap filler. You have to believe to see who God is. I've watched it in my own life. See, everybody that's in debt could shout right now because you if you can't make ends meet, you and I serve a God that is a gap filler. Hallelujah. I've seen him do it over and over again. Lois, how many times have we been in a rock and a hard place and we've watched God be a gap filler? People, people look at you and I, and they just think, "Oh, there's we're, we're just rolling in it." It ain't that way. We're a faith-based ministry entirely. Everything we do is by faith. And then every time I start thinking we're getting a little comfortable, or a little, uh, God will will cause vision and stretch us. When we went to buy all that property over there, everybody thought I was crazy, asking hundred people right to give a thousand dollars and to pay it cash, right? But it happened, right? We were able to work it out and make it happen. Watch what God will do. He's a gap filler. And so he'll cause things to happen. I've watched God do it in my life. Every time there's some need beyond my, but what but, but I'm able to obtain, he's a gap filler. He fills in the gaps. If you don't know God like that, then, then you probably don't know him really at all. 
because you're focusing more on what you don't have than looking to the one who is the gap filler. Amen. See, the enemy wants you to look at all the things you don't have and what's wrong and how I'm sick in my body. But even when I'm in pain or I'm in discomfort, I realize he's the gap filler. He'll fill in the spaces between what isn't working to work for my good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, in the text, I'm going to help bring this all together. In the text, what we're reading, I'll help summarize it and bring you up to where we are. In the text, there are three kings in the text. One is Jehoshaphat. I, I, I've always enjoyed preaching about Jehoshaphat, but one is Jehoshaphat, a Judean and, 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 and uh, 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 uprighteous king, and, and he has a heart towards God, and he wanted to serve God, all right? He's the only one that Elisha the prophet even respected. The other king is called Jehoram. He's the king over Israel, and he's... Just to give you a little background, he's the son of Ahab and Jezebel. Now, I won't preach about Jezebel, but some of you might remember just who she is. So you might need to consider that the son may be a little bit like mama. Mm -hmm. I'll just leave it there for right now. Jehoram was basically a king in a long line of about nine wicked kings. And so Jehoram and Jehoshaphat were were as different as sort of night and day. They were, they were very different men. And then the third king in the text is the king of Edom who dwelt in the desert. And the Bible doesn't even really give us a name for him. But these three kings have come together because they are fighting a common enemy. Hallelujah. Isn't it funny how people can come together you may not even like one another, but sometimes you and I will come together just to fight a common enemy. Hallelujah. Nations will unite against uh, with other nations just to fight a common enemy. Amen. Some of your family that don't even talk to you will start talking to you just to unite because now suddenly you have a common enemy. People who haven't talked to you and blocked you on Facebook reach out to you because now suddenly your enemy is the same as their enemy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, think about it this way. Back in, in September 11th, we remember how our churches filled up. Our whole nation, both Democrat and Republican, black and white, gay or straight came together and were all for the same cause. Amen. And how quickly that dissipated. Amen. Over time. Amen. But we came together united because suddenly we all were facing the same enemy. And now we serve and we're in a time where people will get up and literally people say, I didn't come to church today. I started to, but I just didn't feel like it. Right. Or, or I was going to come visit you today, but I just didn't feel like it. Right. I didn't feel like it. You know what that is to me? That's the, that's the luxury of good times. Oh, yeah. That's the luxury of good times. It, it, it means everything must be going real good for you. Because what I've learned in 25, going on 26 years of ministry, is that when bad times come, people will seek the Lord with a tenacity. Amen. When, 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 when the doctor diagnoses them with cancer, they'll run to God. Amen. When they're about out of all resources and don't know where the next meal's coming from, then they'll run to church. So, so when we, we have that attitude, well, I was going to, but I just didn't feel like it, that's really a luxury of good times. It means you're comfortable right where you are and how things are. Hallelujah. But the king of Moab has risen against them, and they were strategizing. These three kings were strategizing on how to take him. That's what this text is about. So these three po folks that weren't necessarily friends united together for a common enemy. 
And so they were at war with the Moabites, and the decision had made had been made to attack them from the south, which meant that these armies had to walk through seven days through the desert with three armies, three kings, and all their animals and all of those things. All right? Seven days in the desert. Long time. And so the Bible says that their three, the three kings, their three armies are all marching to get at the right angle to attack this other king. And even the three armies didn't want to fight Moab from the wrong spot. They wanted to move into a position to be prepared to fight the king of Moab. And so it took them seven days into the desert to get there. And while they were on the way, watch this, the Bible, the text that we read says that they ran out of water. Now, that's a problem. It's a problem. Some of us know what it is if we're out mowing grass and we run out of water, right? Or, or, or I get irritated when they shut my water off just for a day while they're doing water work, right, in the city. They've been doing that a lot. And, and, and you don't have water to wash clothes, and then when you turn it on, it's brown forever or whatever. It seems like all summer that's how it was. And then I get irritated then. Can you imagine journeying seven days into the desert and here you are getting close to where you need to be, but you're run out of water. None of your animals can drink. Your army is, 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 is desperate in need of, of something to drink to quench their thirst. Amen. And that is the situation they were in. They weren't fully prepared. They had run out of water. And so this message today is a message to talk to some of us in this place that, that we, we were trying to get to a place. Some of us are trying to get to a place in God or we're believing God for things. But somewhere along the way, we, we, we get to a dry place and we end up running out of water. All right. We're, we're trying to get there. We're, we're, we're saved. We love God and we have faith. But sometimes on our journey, we just run out of water. We, we just some of the resources that we're depending on just dry up. Amen. Amen. It can be it can be in our marriages. It can be financial. It can be our health. It can be all kinds of things in the text. It's about water, but you can associate this water to whatever it is in your life that sometimes some things just dry up. They're just not where you, you get close to where you know you need to be. And suddenly the resource is gone. Hallelujah. Sometimes we just run out of water. It, it, it means it, it's sort of like I still want it, but I ran out of water. I'm still believing God for it, right? But I, but I run out of water. I, I, I'm still going to go after it, but, but I ran out of water. I, I'm still going to go to school, or I'm still going to ask God for it. I'm still going to get up and, and give God my praise, but, but I ran out of water. I, I, I'm still going to buy a house, but, but I ran out of water, right? I, or I ran out of money, right? The fact, uh, the, the, the fact that, that they run out of water, the fact that they, they, they ran out of water, their thirst drove them to Elisha. See, every problem serves a purpose. I said every problem serves a purpose. The fact that they, they, they ran out of water and, they, and they, they then had a thirst is what drove them to the prophet. Hallelujah. Sometimes your problems do serve a purpose to drive you right where you need to be. And so the Bible says that the king came to the prophet. Now, that's, that's abnormal because as we understand Scripture, uh, normally the prophet would come to the king. The normal protocol w was that the king would have, have sent the prophet and, and the prophet should have come to the king. But when you and I get thirsty, 
protocol can get suspended. Amen. And so we, you and I can be as dignified and we can speak in proper English and all of those things. Some of us are real proper when we pray to the Lord. But if you ever really get in trouble and you really ever need God to move, sometimes you'll just cry out, God, help. Right? You're not interested in thee and thou and speaking quite right and sounding quite right. Sometimes you'll just yell for help. If you've ever been in trouble, you'll just yell for help. Amen. In, in the snow this week, my car got stuck. Hallelujah. And, and I couldn't even get up out of my driveway. I'm so thankful that I had help nearby. And I said, hey, can you help a, a man out? Amen. And, and, and so sometimes we just have to yell for help so much for these low-profile, sporty-looking cars, right? They're, they're just no good otherwise, right? It might look cool. It might sit low to the ground. I got those cool, low-profile speed tires, but they are terrible in the winter. Amen. Amen. And so uh, uh, thank God I don't have to go far. And so when I finally got it out, I said, I ain't pulling it back in there again. It's going to sit elsewhere. Hallelujah. Because uh, uh, it, it, you don't always have the help that you need when you need it. Amen. And, and, and so, so sometimes when you get in a, in a desperate situation, you'll just cry out help and you're not necessarily interested in being proper. Amen. And so I'm talking today to people who maybe sometimes are, we're in a place or you're about to be in a place where you ran out of water where you ran out of resources. And so, in other words, just because I run out of water doesn't mean I'm not going to get there. Just because I run out of a resource, just because I get a bad report from a doctor doesn't mean I'm not going to get there. Just, just because I run out of help doesn't mean I, I, I won't get where God's calling me to be. J just because at times I can't even see my way clear doesn't mean I'm not going to get where God's called me to be. Just because sometimes our support teams will run off. Just because family will walk away, just because people turn their back on you doesn't mean you're not going to get where God's called you. Just because a spouse left us, amen, or a spouse cheats on us doesn't mean that we're not going to get where where we're reaching for. Remember, we serve a God that is a gap filler. And so wherever help leaves, God will fill the gap between where I'm trying to get to and where my help walked away. Amen. Because I've got to get there. God was speaking to me this week, so just bear with me, because he started speaking directly to me in a situation and for our church. There, Lois, he's a gap filler. He's a gap filler. He's a God that is more than enough when you don't see that him, he is, that there is enough. Amen. He, he's God this week. I, I was sitting getting one of my tests done at the hospital, and they had me in this tube thing, all enclosed, and then it seals, and it, it gets pressurized, and it was the weirdest feeling in the world. And I'm sitting there, and I started thinking, God, you're the gap filler. Right? He, he was speaking to me through it all. And I just said, God, while I'm sitting here, I thank you they're not going to see what they think they're about to see. When I got done, that woman said, why are you here? I said, what you mean? She said, there is no reason someone as good and healthy as you are. And I said, well, it's not too healthy. It's, this is what's going on. She said, there ain't nothing wrong with you. She said, I don't even know why you're getting this test. So I thought, well, that one's good. Hallelujah. Why? Because he's the gap filler. He's the gap filler. I, I've got to get there. I've got to get there. You and I've got to get there. As a church, there's still more to the, vi the vision statement that hangs on our wall, the vision statement that's on our, our, our church website, the vision statement that every guest, visitor, and member gets their hands on. There's still things to be accomplished. 
right? But he's the gap filler. And I started thinking this week, God, how are we going to do this? And what are you going to have us do about this? And, and God, what about this? And then he started speaking to me that he's the gap filler. And I realized that you and I have just got to be determined to get there, get wherever God is calling you and I to get. You've got to be determined to get there in your own life. But even as a church, we have to be determined to get there, whatever it takes. Amen. That if we've got to sell chicken legs, we've got to get there. Right? That whatever it is, if, if, if I got to go wait tables, I got to get there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That, that God's looking for a people that would be determined. If I got to walk, I got to get there. Hallelujah. And I've realized something about myself this week while I was praying and thinking, Lord, you know, I'm the kind of person I really don't know how to minister to people who give up easily. Because I can't relate. Every aspect of my life, you know, Eeyores, people who whine and cry about everything, you know, like Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh. Uh, I can't relate to that because I've always been developed in, in, a, in, a, in sort of a, a culture of you had to fight for it. You had to work hard for it. Every time you turn around, something good would happen, and then you'd have to work harder to get to the next place and the next level. And so I have a hard time sort of relating to and ministering to people who give up easily because I, I can't relate to them. I, I'm sort of a... I'm sort of the kind of person that I, I got to get there. So whatever it takes to get there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some, some of you are like that. David's a determined guy like that. Uh, tell him he can't do it, and he'll show you that he can. Amen. For all the things that he's been through, he still does good. He, he still mows the church grass. Amen. He, he, he'll still get there. He'll still make his way to the chicken coop down the hill, right? Amen. When he was at his worst place, he made Lois as mad as can be because even right after surgery, he, was, he had the mentality, I got to get there. When they told him, no, we don't want you to drive, he said, but I got to get there. Are you hearing me? See, some of you think that, 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 that's, that, that that's faith at its best. It's saying, I see a place where I need to get to, and I understand that God is a gap filler. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are my refuge in my time of need. So I can see where I need to get to, but I also know where I am, and I serve a God that is a gap filler. Are you hearing me? So that, that's why I, 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 I can't always relate to people who give up easily. It, the, 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 I'm, I'm the kind of person that I've realized in my life, failure is not an option. So when things are looking bleak or things are looking low, you just start looking for resources. You just start looking for God in every empty space. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, well, we, we were having furnace trouble here this week, and I was over every inch of this building. I was in the bell tower, and now we got heat in the bell tower. They haven't been heating this bell tower in the three and a half years we've been here. And now suddenly, as we got everything else working and bleeding lines, there's heat in places there'd never been, right? And things started working, and as I was doing, I realized all the resources that are sitting around this place. And I started just saying, Lord, you, are, you have blessed this church. Lord, you have blessed us. God, I'm stepping over keyboards, and I'm stepping over sound systems, and I'm stepping over extra uh, projectors, and I'm stepping over stuff that we're not even using. Glory to God. I'm thankful that, Lord, you're our resources. I, I'm thankful that, God, you always provide, that you are a gap filler. Hallelujah. Aren't you hearing what I'm saying? So, so I understood in that moment God started speaking to me that everything that you and I have need of is right here. Everything that we will, we will ever have need of, he already has. That, that even if we ever end up, even when I'm late, I'm still determined I'm going to get there. 
Right, right. Even if, even in a moment, if you're ever broke, you still need to be determined that you got to get where God's calling you to be. Even if I walk out of the house with my hair messed up, which is unusual, y'all, I still got to get there. Hallelujah. Right. Even if I got to, it just don't move. It's sort of just like there. All right. There's so much glue in this hair. I mean, it just don't move. All right. It's one of those, if you lay your hands on my head and pray for me, it's going to bite back. All right. It really is as sharp and as pointed as, as it looks. I promise you. All right. Because I'm determined I got to get there. If the wind blows, I'm still going to get there and with a good hairdo. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm determined I got to get there. Praise God. Praise God. So I got to I gotta make y'all laugh a little bit and keep you awake of where we're trying to go. Even at times if I have to, in times of my life when I've had to cry myself to sleep, I've been determined I may be crying, but I got to get there. I I I, I got to be determined. I've got to be relentless. I've got to be tenacious. But I want to. I want you. I want you to hear something. The only problem with what I'm saying. The only problem is that you cannot get there without God. You cannot get there without God. And so the problem is, is some of us have tried to get there without Him, and it just never works. It just don't work. So that's the problem. The problem that many people face is you cannot get there without God. And so the text that we're looking at, God will anoint the Moabites to attack you, to show you that you cannot get there without him. Uh-huh. Did you hear what I said? God, uh, God uh, uh, appointed and anointed the enemy to prove to some other people you can't get where you need to go without me. That's why every problem serves a purpose. You cannot get where you necessarily need to go sometimes without God, sometimes in using your enemy to work for your good. Hallelujah. Sometimes I've watched how God will back me into a corner and give me a problem that I cannot fix to humble me down and make me admit and make me ask that, Lord, I have to seek your face because I can't get where I need to go by myself. Lord, help. Are you hearing me? God, help in this situation, whether it's been a sickness in my body or financial or a problem in the church or a problem in the family or a problem in our city. Amen. Every time I've come against something, I, I, it's been to a point where God wanted to remind me, Adam, you've got to come to me. You started relying and leaning on your own resource too much. And I need to remind you, you can't do this without me in the equation. Hallelujah. Because, see, the truth of the matter is, is on a day like this morning, if I could get there by myself, I'd have stayed in bed, Gloria. Can I just be real? Oh, come on. I don't have that far to come like some of y'all. But the truth of the matter is, when it is this cold and snowy and I got to wear snow boots and then change into my dress shoes and all that stuff like that, I, I, if I could get there on my own and do it on my own strength, I'd have just stayed at home. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. I heard some mm-hmm from above up there. But I've come to understand after all of these years being raised in the church and following after God that I need his wisdom. I need his strategy. And I need his fortitude. So I'm here today because I've got to get there. 
I'm here today because I've got to get where our vision statement says we've got to get to. I'm here today because there's some personal things I'm reaching for and trying to attain, and I cannot do it alone. I cannot do it in my own strength. Some of you got up, got out, because you know you cannot get there on your own. You're relying and leaning on his, own, uh, on his strength. Hallelujah. That's why that song we sang earlier, Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my shield. We're saying, Lord, I need you. I can't even begin to try to do this on my own. Hallelujah. And so the Bible says that these kings came to Elisha. But I want you to understand they did not come to him because all of them believed in him. Jehoram, remember the son of Jezebel, Jehoram didn't believe in God fully. I want you to watch this about Jehoram. He, he, he believed in God, but not fully. He was sort of political about his beliefs. He, he was the kind of one that said, uh, 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 he, he, he was one that would, 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 would talk about God or, or use God when it was convenient for him. But then at the same time, we see that he's one of these that he had calves and idols too. And so it was whatever worked for him in that moment. It was political for him. If it served God, he, he, if, if, if he said that he served God, it served sort of one group of people that he was leading. And then he would talk about idols and, and, and worshiping and, 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 and all the other idol worship when it served him to be beneficial with another group of people. Because he was determined, I've got to get there. And he was determined that whatever I've got to do and whatever I've got to say to the right group of people to help me get where I need to go, I'm going to do that. I was thinking about that this week watching cable news. And I realized something as I was flipping between a couple of them. I realized something, Gloria, that all of them are just like Jehoram. They say whatever they need to say that it's convenient for them and who they support and what they believe in that moment. I watched something this week. I watched CNN turn on our president. They've been supportive of him all these years, and now suddenly they, turn, they turned and they don't support him, and they're not speaking well of him. They're reporting badly because now he's not popular. And so their opinions have started to flip. And then I watch uh, Fox News, and they used, they used to love Donald Trump. Then they went to hated him. Now they're back to loving him because it's inevitable he'll probably be the nominee. And so it's funny how now they've changed their coverage. And as I was watching it this week, despite what you may think politically, the Lord said that's a Jehoram spirit. He said, be careful who you listen to that's telling you what they think you want to hear. And then I watched one of them that used to work at one network now works on a total different network, and neither network believes the same as the other. And I was watching him. I said, how is it that you used to be on Fox, and now you're over here saying completely different stuff than you ever used to say, that's a Jehoram spirit. They'll say whatever it is they believe you want to hear. That will benefit them. You do understand that, that what we watch on there and what we're hearing, even this political climate, they'll tell you and I, they know you and I better than we do. That's why you and I can think about something and then we get on Facebook and then we see an ad about it. How many else that's ever happened to? I'll be thinking, before we ever started looking for what we were looking for this week, brother, they were all over Facebook and Twitter and Instagram 
advertise. I thought, how did you know what was in my head? Hallelujah. It's the same way that they operate with cable. They know about more about you than you ever realize, and they'll put it before you in such a way, and, and, and it's, a, it's a Jehoram spirit is what I'm trying to tell you. They're, they're telling you whatever they believe you want to hear to get them eyeballs, which increase their ratings, which increase their ad buy-ins, and that's why they're sitting on billions and billions of dollars while you buy in and believe that what you're listening to is news. No, it's just they they're telling you exactly what they know you want to hear. Oh, God. It's a Jehoram spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be aware of Jehoram's. You need to be aware of Jehoram's in your friend groups. The kind of people that will say what they... they, they I, I have some of those in my life. They'll say what I, they think I want them. I said, can you just tell me what you really believe? And then I had a, a pastor friend of mine say, I really don't know what I believe about that. I said, well, you really need to seek the Lord. You need to stay away from people that are wishy-washy, that don't really know what they believe, that, that talk to you one way and then talk to someone else an, another way. Amen. Hallelujah. You, 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 got, you got to be with people who know what they believe and know what they stand for. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Because when, when we're around things, when you know our country is so divided and everyone can try to blame it on other people, but we are so divided because of the stuff that we listen to that's called news, but it's all driven by a Jehoram spirit that has intentionally divided you and I. I'm telling you the truth. It's not just one person or one group or one political group. It is, it is because of the stuff that you and I listen to that they call news that it is not news. I'm telling you, it's not news. It is driven by a spirit. I saw that so clear this week. It is driven by a spirit to keep you and I divided. How do I know that? Because they keep threatening you and I that if that group wins, our country will be over. They'll threaten you and I that, that, that if we don't stand up against this and if we don't do that, this is going to happen. They've been saying that for years. And so they turn you and I against one another. Instead of loving my brother, now I stop talking to my brother. Now, the church doesn't demonstrate the love of God and all these things. And it is driven by a spirit of Jehoram that I'll work both sides to do what is, what is politically correct for me. This isn't about politics, but I've just got to throw this in here because this is an election year and you and I have got to have wisdom. Be clear about what you're watching. Be clear about what you choose to turn your channel to and what garbage you choose to allow Facebook to be filled with. Because I'm telling you, it's a Jehoram spirit. Stay whatever they need to say to stir you and to cause you to, to, to be a part of the problem. Hallelujah. Because power is seductive. Jehoram, in the, in the text, Jehoram had succumbed to the seduction that any way I got to get there, I'm going to get there. He'll talk a little bit about God and then he would talk a little bit about idolatry. That's why I said earlier, don't judge him. His mother was Jezebel. She would do whatever it took, ruthless and vile, I don't, uh, all of these things. Uh, and so he, he was his mother's son, amen. But so Jehoshaphat, Jehoram, and the king of Edom all go down to see the prophet. And Elisha is rude to them. Think about this. The prophet of the Lord is rude to them. This is what I like. The preacher got rude. Most of y'all would leave a church if the preacher got rude. Some do. But, but this, is, this, is, this is interesting what I see here. The, the, the man of God says to him, 
they show up on his doorstep, and, and the man of God says to them, he says to them, I wouldn't even look at you. He said, I wouldn't even look at you. I wouldn't even pay you any mind. I wouldn't even see you or, or acknowledge you if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat. Because he said, I recognize who the rest of you are. I recognize who you are, Jehoram, and you're just a convenient politician. And you're only here because you really need me. Elisha immediately recognized that Jehoshaphat was sincere. Because sincerity always trumps manipulation. Oh, hallelujah. In this election year, you need to look for some sincere people. Not manipulation. you got to be able to identify it. Come on, people. We are to be lived by the Spirit of God. Don't be duped and don't be fooled by insincere people. I don't know about you, but how many of you know people in your life, in your friend group, people that show up to church, some in your family, they're not sincere, and you know it from the moment they open their mouth. I mean, hallelujah. We've got to be able to, to, to pay attention more and live by the Spirit of God. Sincerity trumps manipulation every time. Glory to God. I can always tell when someone's sincere or not. And so Elisha was telling them, if you think you can manipulate God just by showing up, you're crazy. He's, that's why he says, I wouldn't even look at you if it wasn't for this sincere man. So Elisha says to them, you know, you know you don't have a relationship with God. You only want to use God since you're in trouble. That's why he says, I wouldn't even look at you. I wouldn't even acknowledge you on my front porch. And he says that because some people only come to God when they're in trouble. Hello. Because they're in crisis. I know some of us probably would be guilty of that too. When we get in real trouble, we'll come running to God. When their mom gets sick, right? When their child's in a crisis, when we're strung out on something, they'll come running to God. Uh, pe people come to church. We've seen it here time and time again. There's some, they're just, they're, they're, they're just on like a cycle or a season, right? They'll come running and get serious with God for a period, and then they drift off. Amen. They'll, they'll get serious with God when everything literally has fallen apart, right? People come down to get a little bit of Jesus. Because they really don't want to change their life. They, they, they just want enough of Jesus to help them get there. Hallelujah. You, you don't really want Jesus to invade your life and your space and get up in your business. You just, sometimes we just want enough of Jesus to help me get through this. Uh, see, I'm telling you the truth now. You, you want to come and get, we, we often want to come to church. I, this is true. This is true about most of the body of Christ. People want to come to church and get inspiration and they want to get motivation, but they don't want to have to change anything. And when they, when they show up to Elisha, Elisha's like, oh, wait a minute. You ain't going to show up here, try to get God, and then think you aren't going to have to give something. Hallelujah. In other words, Elisha's saying, there ain't nobody as hypocritical as you church folk. That's what he was saying. That's why he said, I wouldn't even look at you if it wasn't for the one sincere man you got here. He was saying, you got a form of godliness, but you're denying its power. He's saying, I know real. He's saying, real knows real. And so he says, when you're, when you're a real person, you, you want real people to be around you. Hallelujah. So Elisha was sort of a man. He wasn't looking for foolishness. He, so he said, even if I... He said, I, I wouldn't even look at you. I wouldn't even look at you. Some of us understand that the older I get, the more time I don't have for foolishness and things and people that are waste my time. 
You know, some of you know what I'm talking about. There are, there are things that used to entertain me when I was 20 that now I'm just sort of like, I, I just love, like, every time I walk into Sam's or one of those places and they're always trying to, like, uh, uh, sell me a new phone, I can't stand it. I, see, I used to get suckered into that every time. And now I'm just sort of like, I, I don't need that. Or every time you see an advertisement or something on social media, it, you'd want to buy it. And now you can buy anything with two clicks, right? And, and it'll just bill your card or you can put it on payments or all this crazy stuff. The things that used to tempt me don't tempt me anymore, right? Because I, I need something that's real. I, I don't want foolishness. I don't want things that are going to detract from where I'm trying to get to, amen? And so the older I've gotten, I, I don't sort of hang around or waste time with people who are just time wasters. People that are just trying to take your energy, trying to take your, your, your strength from you, and they're not really serious about getting there. That's the kind of guy that Elisha was. And so Elisha, God's man, he, he runs out to the kings, and the kings who would have killed him when he said, I don't even want to look at you. But he had some courage to confront these kings. You and I have got to have some courage in the times that we're living in. You and I have got to have some courage to, to confront people and things and situations. Are you hearing me? Nothing has swelled up in me more recently than a boldness to confront what needs to be confronted. To call foolishness foolishness when it's foolishness. Are you hearing what I'm saying? To sometimes just call a spade a spade and just say, hey, no, that, that, that's a lie. Amen. That's why the other week I just said, no, that's a lie. Hallelujah. You're not telling me the truth. Amen. So Elisha shows up to them. Elisha said, the only reason I'm talking to you is because of this man, Jehoshaphat. And then God began to speak to me through that. Look at, what he, look at what the man of God says. He said, I'm only talking to the three of you because of this one man, Elisha. And God said, Adam, it's the power of one. This is God speaking to you when you think you don't make a difference. Oh, my God. Do you know how many times I've been in a situation where I felt intimidated or outnumbered working with our city, working to try to make improvement? And I'm the only one in the room. And then God spoke to me this week. He said, don't quit. Don't give up. You're the one. The power of one. Amen. Think about this. Out of three kings, only one had the connection. Only one had the ability to move God. Woo. Just one. Just Jehoshaphat. See, what God is saying is you and I might be the only one in our house that has the connection with God that ends up blessing the whole house. Maybe you're the only one here in this church on a given Sunday morning. But the, 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 the powerful thing about this text is it only takes one. It only takes one person to bless your whole house. It only takes one person to bless a church. It only takes one person to change the atmosphere in your home. It only takes one person to, to move the atmosphere on your workplace. Amen. Hallelujah. Let, let, me, let me prove it to you. When God got ready to build the ark, he, he didn't form a committee. He, he didn't put together a board. He got one man, right? When God got ready to, to form a Hebrew nation, he, he didn't form a board. He spoke to one man and said, get thee up out of that country. When God got ready to redeem the entire world, he didn't send all the angels. He sent one. 
the power of one. I'm here to tell you it takes one. You and I've got to remember who we are, it, that you've got to be determined. If you're going to get there, you've got to realize who you are and that you're, you have power. This week we just celebrated Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s day. Amen. The power of one. I mean, what one man did. I mean, can you, can you hear what I'm saying? We still live in a time where one person can change everything. Again, news don't want you and I to believe that. News wants you and I to believe that everyone is against us and everyone hates us, amen. But the truth of the matter is, is whether I'm all by myself in the world or not, there is power in one. Power in one, that I can still get God's attention all by myself. Yes, it's good to come together. And yes, the Bible says that where any two or three are gathered together, there he is in my name. That's great when I'm coming to pray and believe, but I can get God's attention all by myself. He knows who I am. He knows my name. The power of one. And this text proves that. It takes one. The question is, is there any other Jehoshaphats in this room? Hallelujah. Because I recognize I'm the one. That in any situation I go in, I'm the one. Amen. I'm the one. If I got to be the only one praising God, I'm the one. If I got to be the only one believing what I believe, I'll be that one. Amen. If I'm the only one that's going to bring peace in my house, I'll be that one. Amen. That, 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 that's why when, when the enemy tries to kill you and I, that's why when he tries to destroy you and I, that's when he fights you and I every time that you and I continue to get up on our feet because you're the one. Hell knows that about some of you, that you're the one. You're the one. You're the one that holds your house together. You're the real reason that the company didn't close. You're the real reason your family is in the shape that it's in. God held you and he saw you and he heard your prayers. See, sometimes we've just got to be, stop being passive and stop being, uh, uh, and stop be, being that way and understand that we have power in the kingdom of God. You and I, you and I've got power. Hallelujah. The text says, got to move quick. The text says that Elisha's spirit, the, the, the Bible says that they vexed Elisha's spirit. They irritated him. They annoyed him. That's why he said, if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't even look at you two. They irritated him. But I'm glad that they did. I'm glad they irritated him. I'm glad that they annoyed him. Because I needed to know that you and I can both be anointed and annoyed. I said I needed to know that it's okay if I'm anointed and annoyed. In other words, God can choose you, but that means that you can also get annoyed. God wants to use you and I, but it doesn't mean that sometimes we don't get an attitude. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, we can't always just have the right pleasant smile and grin and, oh, bless the Lord. Sometimes we get annoyed. This text, I'm, I'm thankful they irritated this man because it lets me know it's okay if sometimes I'm irritated with somebody. It's okay that sometimes you and I get annoyed. Hallelujah. The text in the Bible is absolutely for me. I, I told the Lord last night, I said, Lord, I thank you. This text is for me. It, it, it's for me. It lets me know I can be an annoyed and anointed at the same time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Because Elisha said, you, you, you've gotten on my nerves. When he said, I wouldn't even look at you, he was telling him, you, 
you, you guys have gotten on my nerves. And yet, even though you got on my nerves, I can't even believe you want me to prophesy now. I know who you really are. I know you're not serious. I know you're not sincere like Jehoshaphat. And yet you come here wanting God to move on your behalf. Uh, what do you think? You're annoying me. So Elisha says, I recognize you've gotten on my nerves. So he says, send for the musician. Because I have to change the atmosphere. Watch this. Watch what he does. Elisha recognizes that he's annoyed. And he says, I need God to move in this place. And I need to change the atmosphere. So I need a musician. He, he recognizes if I'm going to get God to come into this space. If I'm going to get God to come fill this space. That's what we were talking about earlier. He's not going to come if, if, if I'm aggravated. So I need God to come fill this space so I can move from being aggravated to being anointed. So he, he says, send for the musician because I'm getting ready to change the atmosphere. In other words, Elisha says, I'm going to change the atmosphere in this place. I'm going to create a praise ball. Oh, hallelujah. For God to be able to speak in. For God to dwell in because he's a gap filling God. I'm going to create an atmosphere for him to come fill. Think about this. There's so many examples of how God shows up and fills the gap. In, 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 in Isaiah chapter 6, the Bible says that the cherubim were singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. And, 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 and God sat down in the middle of their conversation because he's a gap-filling God. The Bible says that when Mary came down to the tomb and there was an angel on each side of the tomb, that, that, that Jesus came out of the grave because he's a gap-filling God. He came out between the two angels. Amen. Uh, even, even on the cross, Jesus hung between two thieves, on, one on the right, one on the left. They hung him high and they stretched him, they stretched him wide because he's a gap-filling God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So Elisha says, I have to create a gap. i got to create a space for God to dwell. So he says, sin for the musician." Send for the musician. Get somebody on an instrument playing. Music, watch this. Music itself created an atmosphere for God to speak in. Nobody sang. He said, I just need a musician to play an instrument. There was no other word being spoken. They didn't call upon the name of the Lord in prayer. It created an atmosphere for Elisha to be able to hear God. That, this is important for some of you. For every person that doesn't think that, that worship is an important part of our service, it's extremely important because you, what you don't understand if you think that it's not important, worship creates an atmosphere to receive the Word of God. It creates an atmosphere. This is why, right here, watch this. This is why Elisha said, Go send for the musician. He said, get somebody on the Hammond, get somebody on the keyboard, get me a drummer, get me a musician of some kind to create an atmosphere. When, when, when they turn that music on just now, it creates an atmosphere instantly. When, when the musicians sit down to open Sunday morning worship, it'll immediately create an atmosphere. Immediately. There doesn't have to be anybody singing the lyrics, just playing, and it'll create an atmosphere. This is what I've learned about people who understand worship. Who understand this about worship. 
people who understand worship receive more than those who don't. Because you understand that he's a gap filler. You understand that he'll inhabit the space that you create. Do you hear that? He'll inhabit. If you create space for him, he will inhabit it. That's why it's so important. That's why what you and I are doing in worship is you and I are creating a space for him to come and sit on. That's why the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people or he'll come and fill the gap. He'll come and sit on it. He'll come and dwell on it to where when he speaks then through the word, you can receive much. Oh, my God. Remember, these, these, these kings came to him and said, we need the Lord's help. We need you to help us. And, and the, the, the prophet's answer wasn't, he didn't just give him a word. He said, I have to create an atmosphere to receive a word to give to you. Sometimes you and I come in and we're wondering, why aren't I getting miracles? Because you haven't created an atmosphere for one to manifest. Are you hearing me? I am fully responsible for what I receive and what I don't. Whether I or not I have created an atmosphere. Don't ever rely on the worship team to create the atmosphere for you to receive. I come in and create an atmosphere for me. What I've learned about worship and what the praise band needs to understand, our job is not to get you ready to receive. My job is to create an atmosphere for me. Clifford's is a great one for him. Yours is a great one for you. All we're doing is using the instruments that draws on the presence of God. Oh, my God, if I only had time to preach on praise and worship, I'd, I'd blow your minds. Well, all we're doing is, is, is being the catalyst to get you there. The, the launching pad to get you there. But it is up to you to create an atmosphere where there's a gap that God says, oh, look, they created a space for me. I got to go fill it. We'll get back to the message in just a minute. Thank you for listening. If you are being blessed by this podcast, consider becoming a monthly partner with Fresh Fire Church. Your gift of just $25 each month helps us to take the gospel to every corner of the world. It also helps us to feed and clothe those in our community. Stand with us and become a monthly partner for $25 and help us bring the fire of God to those in need. My God, my God, my God. So Elisha, in his sarcasm, simply responds to them in a way because they're, they're desperate. Their armies are fainting with no water. They're desperate. And some of, the, some of the kings don't support God, but they've come to the prophet for a word from God. And Elisha, in his sarcasm, sort of says, why don't you ask the one you've been serving all week? He says, the one you serve is the one you ought to pray to. What you coming up to me for? It's kind of like the people who will run to God only when they get in trouble. Elisha was saying, why don't you run to the God you've been serving all week? If your job is your God, why don't you pray to it? If you've been serving the devil all week, why don't you ask him? Why are you coming to me now when you've been serving your other God all week? He's saying you can't go serve the devil all week and then come in here on Sunday and complain that miracles aren't happening in your life. Why don't you pray to the one you've been serving all week? Are you hearing what I'm saying? A lot of people in church don't, don't have a relationship with God. Watch what I'm going to tell you. I said a lot of people in church, hear me people online, you don't have a relationship with God, you have a relationship with Sunday. There is a difference. 
You don't want to have a relationship with God. Uh, you, you just have one on Sunday. There's some people, they don't pray over their house. They don't pray over their children. They don't pray over their life. They, they don't go to work praying. They don't come to church. Uh, they, they only come to church on Sunday. And then we show up for church on Sunday, and we want a word from the prophet, and, and yet we've not created a gap. Elisha was saying, fooling with you, you kings, is about to make me lose my gap. So he says, get me a musician. Are you hearing me? Have there ever been some people in your life that fooling with them makes you want to lose your ever-loving mind? I can relate so much to Elisha. Hallelujah. Buddy, there's some kids in the back there if you want to join them. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you? There are some people, they make you want to lose your ever-loving mind. But I mean, even when they come in with all their hysterics, they make you want immediately you lose your peace. I mean, they'll start yelling about something and immediately your, your peace goes out the window. Hallelujah. Your joy is depleted, right? Everything that you've worked so you had a good day and then they came home. You had a good day and then they showed up for dinner. You had a good day and then their phone rang and it was them. Are you hearing me? That, that's what Elisha was saying. Hey, fooling with you is making me lose my gap. It's making me lose the space I had created for God to inhabit that's why those of you that play instruments, you got to know how important you really are. you got to know how important your ministry is. That's why I said earlier, I can't have people on a platform that thinks what we do is a gig. I ain't looking to go play worship somewhere that thinks it's a gig. We used to travel and go to different places. I, I, I want to do that. If a church isn't really interested in creating an atmosphere, I'm saving my time. My time is too valuable. I ain't coming to entertain you. I ain't coming to lead your stupid little uh, what you think is a worship service. No. If you're not interested in a gap, I can't come. No. Musicians, that's what your job is. Your job is you create a gap for the presence of God to invade. That's why it is so important. That we see our job and know that it is so important. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That, that's why, church, you ought to know the minute they start playing an instrument, the minute you start hearing something starting to kick up, you got you, you, you to start believing something's about to happen. See, this is why you got to start seeing worship differently. The moment they start warming up the platform and warming up the instruments, you, you, your mentality should shift. God's about to show up. God's about to speak in this place. Immediately, because if you have that, if you have that mindset, now you're creating a space for God. You're saying, I got to get serious about what God's trying to do, because God's about to come in this room. God only is about to come in this room when the musicians take the stage. When, when they get ready to play, not when we sing, when they play the power of one. Oh, hallelujah. So God said to them, he said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this because of Jehoshaphat. I'm, I'm going to hear you and I'm going to give you a word because Jehoshaphat doesn't wait till Sunday to call upon my name. Jehoshaphat was the kind of guy that he was praying in the car and he was praying at work. And he, he, Jehoshaphat was the kind of guy that he didn't wait till he got in trouble. He, he didn't wait to, he, he was the kind of guy that was praying over his bills, whether he had enough money or he didn't. Are you hearing me? He, he was the kind of guy that he didn't wait till he got thirsty to call on the name of the Lord. And so Jehoram was going to get blessed by default. Because remember, it's the power of one. Jehoram was about to receive of the Lord and the king of Edom. 
because of the power of one, because of Jehoshaphat. Isn't that awesome about God? That even, even if I don't come in here ready to worship God, that God will bless me in this place because Clifford did. The power of one. Are you hearing me? That's why sometimes it, you are the reason that your home has the peace it does. You are the reason you obtain the joy that you do because of the power of one. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Same thing's true. The power of one. Noah's kids got saved because of who their daddy was. The power of one. Some of us haven't got it. That some, some of us got, get blessed just by being around someone who's created an atmosphere. There's been times in my life I've received of the Lord just because someone else's cup is running over. And then we have sort of this mindset in the, in the church that we're somehow a cup. I'm somehow a cup and I got coffee in my cup. No, the Lord said to me one day, he said, Adam, you're not a cup. Adam, you're a saucer. You're just cup catching the overflow of what somebody else. How many of you know that? I know most of y'all don't use coffees and saucers anymore. But when I, when I cook a good, nice dinner at my house and I have my family over, they get saucers with their cups. Ain't going to be spilling your mess up on my table. Because my family's messy. Hallelujah. And so I'll give them their, their coffee. <laughs> Sister, you're looking at me like he's crazy. So, so I'll put the coffee cup and get the saucer for the cup. Hallelujah. And the reason is, is so that whatever overflows, the saucer will catch. Some church people see themselves as a cup, but really you're just a saucer. You're just receiving the overflow of somebody else who is the cup. Someone should receive that as your word. That, that's why we used to sing that old song, Fill My Cup, Lord, I Lift It Up, Lord. You've got to know you're not working hard enough to be a cup. You're, you're, all you are is the saucer underneath what I've been working for. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Some of you are just receiving the overflow of what we've created an atmosphere for. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying God wants you to learn the secret and the power behind worship so that you can be a cup all on your own. Because what's on the saucer, it'll run out quickly. Are you hearing me? God wants you to be the one that, that, that you, are, you are full and running over yourself. Hallelujah. In other words, God wants you to not be a saucer. He wants you to be a cup so that you can go home and generate the same presence that is here in your house. Do you hear that? I can go to my house and create the same atmosphere in my home that I have here. I can go into the office and create the same atmosphere, not because I can play an instrument, because I know how to get a hold of God. I can be in my office and when, when I start stressing out, everybody in the office knows it because I got worship music playing nonstop. Because I've got to shift the atmosphere so I'm not worrying, fretting, losing my joy or about to rip somebody's face off. Hallelujah. i got to create an atmosphere that he can come fill. Some of you need to learn that, that secret. That if your home is not a place where you can rest and have joy, get something going that creates an atmosphere that God says, oh, look, oh, look, Gloria just created an atmosphere. I'm going to fill it. I'm going to go rest up in that place. Hallelujah. So Jehoshaphat was the cup. Jehoram was the saucer. See, I'll put it in ways that you can gather what I'm saying. Jehoram was the saucer. He's just going to receive because of Jehoshaphat being a good man. I'm almost through. So Elisha sent for that musician to create an atmosphere. And then when they begin to play, the Bible says the spirit of prophecy came into that atmosphere. The word of knowledge came into that atmosphere. And I instantly thought, I've seen this before. I just love the word of God because you'll see something in one place and then you realize, oh, God did this before. I've seen something similar. 
The Bible says that something similar to this happened when Saul was full of demons. And they called David, watch this, to play an instrument. Not to sing, to play an instrument. Without any lyrics being sung. I know our church services today were spoiled because we got to have the fancy screens and the words and all of that. But I grew up in church. I was talking to my spiritual mother this week. I grew up when we didn't have course books. We didn't use hymnals. We were too Holy Ghost filled to use a hymnal. Because you didn't, the praise band didn't know what they were singing until they hit the platform. None of the musicians knew either. And so you, that's why you had to flow and be anointed. Otherwise, you weren't on the platform. Dr. Howe boots you off. And we were talking about that. And she said, I miss the times. The church don't know how to flow no more. Where you could just go wherever the spirit was leading. Where we didn't need words. Where sometimes we wouldn't even sing. The musicians would just play. And I mean, people start dancing. Some people were bawling. Some people were falling out in the power of God. And the poor TV camera guys were having a hard time keeping up and knowing what to focus on because the control room was saying get this cut get this cut I mean they were running all over the place trying to get the right thing at the right time amen all this was happening because the glory and power of God was so strong and it was only strong because there were musicians nobody knew what we were singing sometimes they would play something brand new that had never been written I can't tell you how many Sundays I grew up hearing songs that have never been heard before and never sang again Created only by the power of the Holy Spirit. But an atmosphere would hit that place. People would be delivered and healed by the masses. Because of the, because of the musicians. So even when Saul was full of demons and they called David to play the, the, the instrument without a song or a voice. Just the music itself created an atmosphere that the demons had to flee. In other words, you and I are we're here to drive out debt. You and I are here to drive out devils. You and I are here to drive out depression. You and I are here to drive out discouragement. You and I are here to create an atmosphere. Because the musician in the text created an atmosphere. A prophetic word came through. Elisha looked up and said, thus says the Lord, go dig ditches in your valley. That's why I called this message Ditch Digger for this right here. He says, thus says the Lord, go dig ditches in your valley. Now think about this. They came to the prophet not because they want more work. They wanted water. Do you know how many times I've prayed to God, Amanda, for an answer, and then he gave me an answer I wasn't expecting? Lois, I've prayed for one thing, only for God to answer with another. I'm like, God, I asked for, and God gave me work. It's the answer you need, but sometimes we don't see it. That's why you and I need the atmosphere so we have the revelation of the Holy Spirit to know that what God is doing. They came to, to, to the prophet for more water, and God answers with work. He says, go get to digging some ditches. Think about this. God told a, a mat, three armies of people who had been walking for seven days and doing without water and their animals were hungry. He told these people who were desperate for water, I ain't going to give you water yet. I need you to do some more work. 
in other words, don't expect to pay before you put in the work. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody came knocking on my door and wanted to do some work this week. And they said, would you front me some money? And then I'll come back and do the work. I said, it don't work that way. I said, if you want paid, you got to do the work and then I'll pay you. Hello? But how many times I've been guilty of going to God saying, God, if you do this, I'll do this. God says, no, dig a ditch. Are you hearing what I'm trying to say? Oh, my God, my God. So he tells these people who are thirsty, but walking for seven days, don't without water, get to digging a ditch. And they answer, I'm tired, Lord. I'm, I'm thirsty, Lord. I'm weak, Lord. I'm faint, Lord. This is the wrong time for you to tell me to dig. And in other words, watch what I'm trying to tell you. When, 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 when the prophet said, get to digging a ditch, to dig a ditch is to create space. To create capacity. Remember back in the beginning of the message. See, I always bring you back home. When I said that we serve a God that is beyond ability to be measured. But he's a God that looks for, he looks for, for space. He's a gap filler. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So when God said to you and I, when he said in the text, get to digging some ditches. Go dig ditches in your valley. To dig ditches is to create space or to create capacity. So they say, well, how much water are you going to, or, or, or how much water are you going to send? How much ditch are you going to dig? It's about capacity. In other words, you and I will run out of ditch before God ever runs out of water. How much ditch can you need? God is speaking a word to me about our church. God's been dealing with me about some things that we're going to adjust, some things we're going to change. How God has told me for a while, make space for him. Make space for him that we're going to get rid of all the unnecessary stuff we have. The things that I, I, I just can't even lay it out to you, but the staff is, it sort of knows where we're going with this. God says, I need you to create space for me. He's had me doing it in my own life. And out of this word, he's speaking to me more. He said, Adam, I need you to dig ditches. In other words, Adam, I need you to create a capacity for me to fill. Oh, hallelujah. Not just in worship, but in life in general. This army would run out of ditches before God ever run out of water. In other words, God is saying to you today, according to the, your capacity, God is going to bless you. How much ditch can you dig? How much space can you, can you provide and make in your life for God? Are you going to be someone that only is, is, is a person that, that, that doesn't have, you don't have a relationship with God, you have a relationship with Sunday? Or are you going to be a person that creates space for God? When the prophet tells them get to digging ditches, he's saying how much I respond, he's saying how much God responds to you is up to you. Do you know how many times we pray and ask God to move in a particular way, Lois? There's some space we gotta make for God. I was praying about some serious needs, some things that we're facing. We're just facing it needs almost in every front. Circumstances, things happening all around us. And and I was praying about this, and that's where God gave me this room. He said, Adam. I want you to dig some ditches. I want you to make some space for me. He said, Adam, if, if you only dig enough space for this glass, that's all I can give you. But if you'll create enough space, according to the space that you create, is the space that I can fill. Whatever you dig, I will fill it, he says. 
So he, that's exactly how he responded in the text. He, when he tells him to dig ditches, he's saying, how much I respond to you is up to you. Because he's a God that responds to capacity. How do I know that? Because he said in Genesis, when he created Adam, he created him. When he created him, remember I told you he created capacity. If God had blown more breath into Adam than he had lungs, he would have killed him. He only could breathe into him what he had capacity to receive. That's good. Some of you are only able to receive this much when you come to God. Because that's the only capacity you've created. That's why I watch in sometimes in service and someone standing here was just getting overloaded with the presence of God. And the person next to him, they've only created so much space. Or maybe that person's a saucer and the other one's a cup. I, I, it could be variations. It's about how much space have you created. I've had people say, oh, I just wish I could worship God like you because I create space. When I'm in my car, I create space. When I'm in my home, I create space. When we're in the office, we create space. Somebody said to me, why you always got to have worship music and the word preaching over here in the office? Cynthia will be listening to me, either me teaching. I said, you must just not get enough of me through the week. You got to listen to me all day in the office or they'll play worship music and it's to create an atmosphere. So he said, dig the ditch in your valley, a hole within a hole. Dig some ditches in the valley. Hallelujah. Dig ditches in the valley. Depending on how deep they dug the ditches was how great God was going to respond because he responds to your level of capacity. But I want you to recognize the enemy often comes to numb your nice thirst. You may think that you, uh, uh, that you, you may think all you have is all there will be. That your life is never going to get any better but that, 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 and that you just have to settle for how things are. But that's the enemy trying to numb you to think that's all there will ever be. I, 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 but this message is for you and I to be able to tell hell I got a shovel. Tell, tell hell I'm going to get to digging. I, I told the Lord as I was walking down here this morning, Lord, yeah, I needed my snow shovel this morning. But God, I thank you. Right now I'm praying for a snow sh uh, shovel. But Lord, I, I'm praying that we're going to need a bulldozer to dig the ditches that you're calling us to dig. Hallelujah. Because that's what I'm believing that you're going to feel. And that's what I'm believing that you're going to do. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. prophet just told him create a space for God to fill he told him to dig he gave him the word watch this but he did not help them dig I used to think that my job was beyond telling you what the word of the Lord was and then he did help you get it God says no you just give them the word let them get to digging you got to be able to take the word that God gives you and put it into action hallelujah I, I, I learned that a long time ago this message simply boils down to you got to make room for what's coming next. I can want the best for you. Someone else in this room can want the best for you, but I can't dig it for you. You got to dig and prepare for what's coming next. You got to want it for yourself. So that's why I said, are you a ditch digger? You got to be willing to dig a ditch. And however much space you create for God is the capacity to which you will receive. If all you dig is enough for a small cup, that's all you'll receive. If all you dig is a little hole, that's all you'll receive. 
But if you can dig a, a real ditch, you'll receive that. He, he, he said, when you, when you get to, to dig in your ditches, this is what the Bible said, and I'll close with this right here. He said, listen what he says, when you dig your ditches and when you're all through, this is the best part of the text. He said, when you're all through digging your ditches, he said, there will be no wind and there will be no rain. But the ditch is going to get filled. Oh, my God. This is the best part of the text. Listen what the, the prophet said. He said, when you're all done digging and all your armies get done digging and you guys get too tired and you can't go any further, he said, I want you to dig as long and as far and as deep as you can. But he said, when you're all done digging, there'll be no wind and there'll be no rain, but your ditches will be full. Oh, my God. In other words, he was saying, you're not going to see it coming. You're not going to see clouds. You're not going to see lightning flash. It's not going to look like it, but it's coming. There'll, there'll be no wind and there'll be no rain, but, but it's going to come. In other words, God was saying to me this week, Lois, what he is going to do is not going to come by natural means. God said what he wants to do in your and I's life, what he wants to do in this place, what he wants to do in our lives at home, that, that, that there will be no wind and there'll be no rain. There'll just be water. So, which leads me to believe, Brother Clifford, I don't know whether God created something or if it came up. I don't know if they dug so deep that they hit water and it filled the ditches or if God created something brand new. I have no way of knowing that. I don't, I don't know which it is. All I know is that the water came from somewhere, that God answered prayer. How do I know that? Because he said there'll be no wind, there'll be no rain, there'll just be water. And the Bible says that there'll be so much water that all three kings and all three armies and all the animals and all the cows that are with them, all of the livestock that's with them, will drink and get full and the ditch will still be full. Did you hear what I just said? All of them, the thousands and thousands of them that there were, all got to drink. All the armies, all of those kings, all of their animals. And the Bible says, and when I'm done, it'll still be full. It'll still be full. Because you created space for God to move. What God wants to do in you and I is not natural. It is supernatural. Elisha said to them, this is a small thing to God. Elisha's answer, then this is a small thing to God. My word for you today is if you'll create a space, he will fill it because he's a gap filler. He's a God that'll fill the atmosphere that you and I create. Whatever it is that you're trying to defeat, whatever it is that you're trying to believe a next miracle to be, whatever breakthrough you want God to, to, to do in your life, whatever you've been believing God for, whatever you, you need God to do, I'm telling you, if you'll create a space for him, it's a small thing for God. It's a small thing for God. All he's asking you and I to be is to be a ditch digger. Create some space for him. Create a, a, a space where he says, I can fill that. And however much of a space you create for God, he will, he will fill whatever space you create. If you'll create some space at home, he'll fill it. If you'll create some space in your worship, he'll fill it. Wherever you create space, he will answer you because he 
will answer to the size of capacity that you create for him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, help us today to be ditch diggers. God, help us to be people that create some room for you in this place. Lord, let us be a people that when we come into this place Sunday after Sunday, we'll start understanding what it is when we take the platform and play an instrument. God, what's about to happen, that you're about to speak, that you're about to move in this place. As we, as we close, can we just take a moment and create an atmosphere? I want to pray over you that God would just help you to create an atmosphere in your home and in your life that, that there will be areas where God might have you make room for him and that you would do that in this place so if you're able to you can stand if you're if you're not able to then stay where you are and we'll pray over your offering and your seed and your tithe as you get ready to give too but i i just want to pray over you today and my prayer is that you would create a space for him there where god can show up in your life and be a gap filler fill the gap beyond what i'm able to reach hallelujah Hallelujah. 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 So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, I receive your word today, and God, I pray that you would help us to be a people that create space for you. God, help us to be a people that we're a cup and not a saucer. God, help us to be a people that have a relationship with you and not a relationship only on Sunday. God, help us to be a people that create capacity for you to fill. That God will make room in our home and we'll make room in our worship. God will make room in our church services. God, we'll make room for you. God, let us be a people that we become awakened, Lord, to the understanding of what our worship really does and that what a musician really does. God, I'm honored and thankful that, Lord, we got some musicians and that, Lord, we can create an atmosphere for you, that we create a space for you to come sit upon. God, my prayer is that we'll become a people all throughout this church, that, Lord, we'll just be people that create space and create gaps that, Lord, you can come and just fill in our life. That, Lord, you'll erupt and you'll move. And that, Lord, your answer to us will be, this is a small thing for God. So, Lord, whether we need a, a space filled in our physical body or, God, maybe we need a space filled in our finances. Or, God, maybe we need a space filled in our marriages. Or, God, maybe we need a space filled in our worship. God, all of us may need a space filled in some variation. God, my, my prayer today is that God will be people that just create the space and that you'll fill the gap. God, let us make room for you. God, for what you want to do next, we got to make room. That's why you said, Adam, make room for what is next. So, Lord, we're going to make room for what is next. Hallelujah. We're going to make room in our lives spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally. God, we're going to make room in this place, God, for you. We're going to make room in, 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 for you in every aspect of our lives in the powerful, great name of Jesus. So, Father, I pray that you would take your word. And, God, I pray that you would seal it among your people. God, I pray that you would speak into our lives and our hearts. And, that God, I pray that you would yearn us and draw us and help us, Lord, to understand the ways and the places, Lord, where we got to create space for you. And that, Lord, then we'll just wait on you to fill it. God, I bless you and I thank you. Help us, Lord, to be ditch diggers. To dig and create a capacity for you to fill. God, as we leave this place and people log off of the internet, God, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would touch them. I pray that, Lord, you speak a word to them right where they are. And they would create a space for you. 
God, as we give of our tithes and offerings, and God, I pray that you would multiply it. Some people that will give today will create space for you. Some people have given this week and created space for you. You say, God, I believe you're a big God, and you're going to fill this, fill this space that I have. God, I pray that you would do it. Bless them. Multiply. Bring increase into their life. God, fill every space that we have in the name of Jesus, because to you, what we face is a little thing. Fill us to capacity in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We love you. We give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' your mighty name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Be a ditch digger this week. Make some space for him. Hallelujah. We'll see you Tuesday night for Bible study.